Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy all. Happy Tuesday. Uh, we will be talking about the game last night between the Knight, Golden Knights and the and the Jets. Russ, uh, you wanted to get us started off yeah. with the... So here's, here's the pre-show. So yesterday, you know, I got a press release in the morning about sports betting being legalized and I quickly put it up on, on my website, sportsology.com. And, you know, I, wait, I waited out the day. I sort of talked about it. We heard opinions. And then all of a sudden towards middle of the day, I started to see the, the opinion that it just drives me crazy. Well, now you have to let Pete Rose in the hall of fame because gambling's legal. And, and so I felt like I needed to write an article and I did. And I felt like I needed to point out once again, gambling is legal for residents, for you, me, your grandfather. Gambling is not legal for baseball players and especially managers. It will never be legal. Anybody who's an active participant in the sport, it's like direct influence over the outcome of the game. Whether you mean it in a positive sense that you're betting on your team to win, there's no delineation there. Just because it got legalized on the outside doesn't mean what he did on the inside is ever going to be looked at as okay or legal. He but will here's never the, get back into the Hall of Fame. Never here's, get. The, here's the ignorance of the of the of that argument. If you take it, you know there was prohibition in the U.S. until uh, until Roosevelt was elected in, in the early 30s. It was repealed. Anybody who got arrested for for violating the Volstead Act and being in, was in jail as being a bootlegger didn't automatically get let out of, of jail because, oh, all of a sudden alcohol is legal. No, you broke the law as it was. If somebody got busted for, for cocaine or marijuana and all of a sudden they legalized drugs, they'd still be in jail. So it doesn't mean that Pete Rose should be let in the Hall of Fame just because even if even if uh, Rob Manfred said it's, a, it's a, allowable for – uh, uh, Aaron Boone to place a bet on the Yankees. That doesn't make what Pete Rose did thirty, you know, twenty five, thirty years ago any less illegal than it is now. The only thing that has kept Pete Rose hostage is Pete Rose. Pete Rose, yeah. he's his own worst enemy. He makes plenty of money in what he's doing, and he signs a lot of hit king baseballs that are going to be worthless one day. He signed more than Bob Feller. That's all I can say. My argument, and I told Russ this. I wrote a term paper when I was in college about. Pete Rose and about the Black Sox scandal. And my my assertion is that like I got like Shoeless Joe Jackson, who was could was he was illiterate. He and he didn't know the way really didn't know the ways of the world other than being able to hit the baseball like crazy. You know, he was involved in, in the Black Sox scandal, but he still hit 375 in the series. Yeah. You know, he really didn't know what he was – probably didn't really know what he was doing and had a Hall of Fame career, and he's been prevented because, you know, they hired a commissioner in Kennesaw Mountain Landis, and he and he banned all eight players. Well, honestly, if it's letting in Shoeless Joe or letting in Pete Rose, Pete Rose can rot in hell, let Shoeless Joe in the Hall of Fame. I'll leave it there. Strong words from my Wow. <laughs> How do you follow that up? Yeah, no, I don't know. Hello, hockey world. Speaking of rotting in hell. Yes, no. Speaking of rotting in hell, 
Hello, Hockey World. It's Tuesday, May 15th, 2018. I'm Michael Agello, Anthony. I'm Peter Tessier. I'm Anthony Mangioni. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzz cast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday, some point in the afternoon, to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. I'm sorry, I'm doing my, like, I got my Phil Collins lighting going on here today. Um, uh, no, don't, don't say that. No, say, no if, if, you had, if you had Phil Collins lighting, it would be sort of like what the lighting is in a morgue. If you look at the pictures that it's, it's I had just, let's just depart from hockey for two seconds. Yes. Russ sent me pictures of Phil Collins at some opening. His wife is doing some sort of jewelry thing in Florida and he, he's announced a tour uh, later in the summer and fall. He looks like the crypt keeper. And I, and I'm, yeah. I say, I love Phil Collins. He's one of my favorite drummers favorite musicians of all time and it pains me to say this but i wouldn't spend a plug nickel to go see him in concert because he can't sing anymore he can't drum and the picture was of him sitting in a chair on stage it's down tour it is it's my do you, i mean do we know he can't sing anymore do we know this well, we've heard his voice it doesn't yeah. sound good no we'll gotcha. he did he did the opening for the u.s open a couple years ago and he did in the air and, you know, and he did he did air in the air tonight like what two octaves lower it sounded terrible i mean he was it was bad it was bad when they did the reunion tour in 2009 so how much how much worse could it be no eight, it was fine then. I, I, I was not fine we are you fine i have recordings of it it's fine but was it what was it 20 years before that no but he's also the plus the plus is he won't fall off the stage like sinatra that's the plus. well i mean it's very possible that he that he you know that he did some maybe he got some surgery for his throat or something like that or anything? No, no, for his back. He he did back in the day his neck. Yeah, and but, yeah, but I mean he also could have worked on his voice. I mean you know you can. I think we have to hear him first before we judge him. We did hear him. We I did know hear him last year. Last year, but you know I, I would I would venture to say that Phil Collins doesn't need the money, and I would oh, venture. Oh yes, he does. I would not venture to say that. Three divorces. <laughs> it's hard to say three divorces. <laughs> Phil Collins has well, heard of a prenup. I think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit. You know what? So Phil Collins has um, one of his first wives was actually from Vancouver. Yes. And his two kids, Jolie and Simon, I think their names are. Um, yeah. Jolie, worked, Jolie worked in Earl's that a really good friend of mine did. Oh. And Jolie wasn't hurting for cash, but she liked to work. She had a whole bunch of horses. Um, one of them was named Susudio and stuff. And they're very well taken <laughs> care of. I kid you not. Yeah, and, and, um, do you have any enemies in Winnipeg? It seems like everybody's a good friend. I want to know who your enemies are in Winnipeg. <laughs> no, he's got no, this is Vancouver. This is Vancouver. Vancouver. Sorry, he's got friends in two provinces. Plus, 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 uh, plus, Phil's uh, daughter from his right. second marriage is an actress and a very attractive and a very mm-hmm. successful one named Lily. So, so mm-hmm. yeah. So after all the Phil Collins has given you, Mike, after all these years of uh, uh, his of voice great music, it's like you're just to not even going to give him a chance. You're not. You're just going to throw it. You're just going to throw him under the bus. You heard it. That his voice is shot too. The only, the only, yeah, as I was gonna say, the only thing, but the only thing that I can say about Phil is that his voice is better than Bruce Springsteen's. Right, that's it. Anthony, are you a Springsteen? Wow, man, fan? you're gonna go and you're gonna go oh, and just Springsteen. Do you want to make friends, Mike? <laughs> I, I mean, that's Peter, he's talking his way through songs. No, I need Anthony. I need Anthony because I'm hoping Anthony's a Springsteen fan of some yeah, kind. Go ahead. Doesn't uh, we are Springsteen fans, and we're just being realistic. That's uh, what. 
I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm hot and cold. There's some songs I like, but I'm not what I would call a huge fan of Springsteen. Peter, if I wanted to ingratiate myself to Kyle Dubas, apparently he's a big Springsteen fan. So me saying that Springsteen sucks is not helping you with the Leafs' new well, general it gets, manager. It gets no, him good help on press uh, rows. What would Kyle uh, Dubas know I, about Springsteen? From, he would know from Tunnel of Love on forward. Like, he would have missed <laughs> it. I, I, I don't – I'm not a Springsteen – like, I, I appreciate Bruce, but, I mean, yeah. Bruce Springsteen fans, I mean, they are – Hard to the core. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. I mean, they're like yeah, you know, yeah. they're a lot like they're a lot like Grateful Dead fans. Yes, people exactly. like Black Licorice. When you like you know, it, a lot you of these really people, like it. Peter, Peter. A lot of these people that are seeing them on Broadway like the songs like Glory Days. They yeah. find the song that they like on Tunnel. Oh, uh, you're wrong. They, they you're swear wrong. the Tom Joad album isn't yeah. horrific like it yeah. was. I love that. I love his first album, The Rising. Yeah, guys. That song's good. The rest, not so much. What's what's one of his songs? I got a six. Can I speak for a second? With the three ninety six, like. Hold on. There is a post in our in our chat room from Goalie FP that says Billy Joel is still great. Now you can talk. There you go. Thank you. Uh, You're my man, Goalie FP. Throwing just thanks, Goalie. Just throwing throwing flame onto the fire. Perfect. Go watch Hired Gun and then reevaluate your feelings of Billy Joel. I'll say that. Oh no, I I was in the music industry for a long time. I only have to watch watch how his other musicians are on stage to tell you the difference between Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen. That there's no, it's no, it's so obvious. And then, and by the way, this Springsteen content thing in, in Broadway is harder than Hamilton to get tickets to. I mean, it's insanity. Yeah, and because I mean, it's like a, it's a it's a big cult following. Doesn't mean it's great. Don't get me started on Hamilton. But well, this, is a very, this is this is these are the this this is the very rich Springsteen following that's that's going yes. to these concerts. That's it's, 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 and, but a lot of those rich guys, believe it or not, go way back with Springsteen. I mean, this isn't like sure. your tunnel of love type people. That's a different group altogether. These Alan Walsh really has probably people. bought up at least a row. These are your wealthy new North Jersey people, you know, and they they really uh you know these are the people who like are you know hanging out at the Short Hills Mall and and you know this this this. this I mean, I tried. I mean, my wife's a huge Springsteen fan. I've seen Bruce probably twenty-five times with her, and and it, it, for me to be the person who's defending him at this point in my life, my wife thinks is hilarious because I, that, I that was is, absolutely the opposite of this when, is, when we first met. That is proof that you really love your wife. No, no, it's but proof that reason, he actually is freaking awesome. And it t- it took me a while to understand to understand what he is about and what and what the energy is about that Springsteen brings. You're, to you're better off giving like an, a defense like they did in my cousin Vinny than trying this. Seriously, you guys are arrogant, 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 arrogant. But let's move yeah. on. Yes, <laughs> I was there. I can I can tell you, I was just like you at one point, completely naive and ridiculous. So I can understand. No, we like Springsteen. This version of him is 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 gone. It's done. It's over. That's all. Uh, what version of him? Stick it to hockey, please. Yeah. <laughs> what version of him? Sorry, one second. The old version with the bad voice. No, no. I mean, if you, Rosalita, Nebraska. No, if you put, no if you, I'm telling you, you put Bruce on stage after, like, you know, after he after he screams his guts out for two or three nights, he's back to right where he was, and he's and and. Billy yeah, he was cannot, gravel on night one. Billy Joel cannot do that. So. No, 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 no. Okay, let's anyway, um, let's all right, moving on. Moving on. Yes. <sighs> Winnipeg. Um, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about Winnipeg and Vegas last night. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, is, is, is has uh, Mark Andre Fleury uh, been tested now? His posts sure have. I mean, I mean that. Whether I mean this. this yeah, I mean the thing about that. I mean, you know, we saw him thanking the post in the last series, and they they're continuing to be his mistress because this is just an unbelievable, you know, those French Canadian men they love their mistresses. So, um, Mark Andre Fleury, 
he two got his um two posts at the same time. I know. <laughs> and, just, and, and post all the <laughs> post all the time. Uh, very nicely played, Anthony. Um, post all the time. Um, I mean, in that game, I honestly felt like like Vegas dominated four minutes of that game, and I felt like the rest of it. I thought Winnipeg was amazing, and I left that game more being confident more in my pick for Winnipeg in five. And that's the crazy thing because I know they have to win the next three games to get to make that happen. But I think Winnipeg, I, I mean, that game, that everything, and granted the season, everything is broken right for Vegas. So you can sit there and say that, but in this game, particularly everything broke right for Vegas. And yeah. oh, and, there was more than that. Is that what you really think? It was just, that it broke right. I, I know. I mean, I just, I really think that Vegas was did their Vegas thing. They were opportunistic yeah. They were counterattacking. And that is the that is where I think Gallant made the change. Okay. Like I think the difference in this in the game one and game two is Vegas for you know, usually when you get expansion teams or new teams, they they succeed by counterattacking, right? That's like how right. Florida did it when they came in at first. It's how Anaheim did it. Um, you know, but the difference with Vegas is they don't counterattack, they attack. And they they attack and attack, attack, and attack, and attack. And that worked really well against LA and San Jose, but against another attacking team. They were like Winnipeg, they got their butt handed to them in game one. So they counterattacked in this game. And the fact that they could make that shift and, and win a game was amazing, but they weren't very good at it. They weren't well, really good at counterattacking. And I want, I want, I want to get Peter's uh, perspective here. But I mean, one of the things I, I mentioned Tatari yesterday, sort of jokingly, because you know they traded three yeah. draft picks for him and he isn't playing. And we thought maybe there, pop, there was a possibility he was hurt. He's not been hurt. He's just been somebody that Gallant didn't really want to go to or didn't know where he fit. Well, he sits out Lindbergh, and I can't remember one of the the other forward he sat out, but he puts in Nosek and he puts in Tatar. Tatar scores that goal. And on that goal, Winnipeg's defense, I don't know where they were, but it gave they gave Tatar at least five seconds standing at the side of the net to put it off the side of the net, get the rebound, put it off the post, yeah. and then put it in a third time. Yeah, he oh, I know that that was the clearing one that Line A screwed up on the board. That was the first goal, right? Right, right. Yeah. That was the one. I was sitting right behind the net. And um and uh yeah, it was you could just see Line A and you're just everyone around me was like losing it because you could just see what he was trying to do. And it was like, dude, that's not what you do in that yeah, situation. Yeah, right. But you know, here's, here's, here's he was the overthinking thing. the game. Yeah, he did. Here's the other thing, Peter. Like we were talking about Dustin Bufflin yesterday, they were doing what you do in the NFL to a guy that's hard to contain, and you keep chipping him. And they yeah. chipped him three times early, and mm-hmm. he was totally inconsistent after that. He completely lost his edge. Yeah, Dustin Bufflin became invisible, and this is why I said yesterday he could be the greatest playoff performer ever, but his inconsistency will always get in the way. Here's here's the thing that when you look at the team as a whole, or at least the Jets, they had their emotional letdown yesterday. Yeah, so yeah. they come off the Game 7 win in Nashville. They get home. They basically turn around. Vegas is already in town. Right. And you're up for a game the next the day after. Boom. It's it's on. Now you're back in. You won the first one. The um the families, you know, the, you come back to life. And then yeah. you get up for this game. Vegas didn't play very well in the first game. No. They they played a lot better last night. Uh-huh. The Jets didn't play much worse. They just didn't have the details. Uh-huh. And and that sort of thing's like so that second goal, Kyle Connor's taking up there and people are losing on Connor. But if you see one guy headmanning it up on the puck, you don't change the four other skaters behind at the same time. Yeah, that's the mental. That's the mental fatigue, right? Someone should have known 
to hang back. Where was the? I was gonna say, where was the defense there? Because they, he's at every he's other skater change. They were right. in the changes bad line. He's, he's at the red line. He's turning around and he sees that nobody is there. Yeah. Now, now, I, I, I texted this to uh, to Russ at at the end of the first period, Anthony. I said the Jets are lucky they're not down for nothing because after a, after after Marcheseau scored off the faceoff, they get that other one that that rings off the pole, and then they almost scored late late in the late in the first. I mean, I'll grant you, Eck, and I don't want Anthony to answer this. I'll grant you that I thought the Jets dominated the first ten minutes, but I thought Vegas w- switched completely the second half of the first period and then they really shot it down but anthony what did what did you think of the, the first yeah, period in my view once we got around that 10 minute mark and they hadn't quite broken flurry just yet and then you get uh, tatar's goal once they kind of get up once vegas gets up there and gets a couple yeah to me this is one of the circumstances where the air was out of the balloon a little bit there at least from the beginning there for the jets and again to their credit they didn't completely falter, but yeah, at, at that point, there was some definite concern there that the game could get away from them at that point. But yeah, yeah. over as we go through time and as the game went on, I again, I'll go with Peter on this. I felt that they were a little bit better as the game went on. Mm-hmm. But if this is their down game, now yeah. now the Jets are going to go on the road. Now we've yeah. talked about you know Vegas's vaunted home ice advantage. Well, it in this, in my mind in this circumstance. Jets are perfectly set up here to know that if it's just the little details, yeah, the road a road game is almost immediately going to put them in that mindset that they got to be locked down, ready to go in yeah. game three. And again, I saw nothing in the game last night that has me thinking that the Jets are in in trouble right now. Well, I I, I don't think anybody's in trouble. Like I think it's a long series, but. J.A. Marshall owns the Winnipeg Jets. They have no solution for him. That's a problem. And they can't have a first period start like that in Vegas, or the game will be over in six minutes. And, and Peter, I have to That's say, we won like, a lot of games this year. You know, yeah. I thought I, I was I was very wary after Winnipeg scored that goal to make a two one. I mean, here comes here comes the big rush. Here comes the emotional last 10, 11 minutes of the third period where they conceivably could tie up tie up the game. And my, I said, you know, wh- what a dagger of a goal that Marsh is so scored. I mean, it was just, I mean, they, they had one, maybe two offensive opportunities in the third period, and that was one of them, and he cashed in on it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and, and and that's Vegas. They're they're an opportunistic thing, and Marsh is so, I mean, he's, he's lethal. But, you know, again, that play was weird, and there are a lot of things like that. And I'm not buying in that the Jets are in trouble at all. I think they know what they need to figure out. Because, And I tweeted this out last night, and, and I stand by this. Vegas is a one-trick pony. They have one trick. It's a very good trick, and it's very obvious. They puck pressure, turnover, counterattack. That's all they do. That's right. the only thing in their game. They do it extremely well. And what was frustrating last night was you could see it happening and the Jets weren't figuring out a way to counter it. And I again, I go back to this emotional fatigue. I think it all caught up with them. None of them were particularly sharp. And they were losing little puck battles in the corners. They were Their wall play was atrocious. Their, their passes were in their feet all night. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was awful. And yeah. they still outshot. They still had the shot differential favor. They yeah. still had a, um, a, a more, I think, higher scoring chances. And 
you know, they still did a lot of things well. It's just when they didn't do things well, it was in the back of the net. You can fix that. But here's here's you now going into Vegas that you talked about. The um the Jets have had the best home record in the NHL. The next best home record was Minnesota by winning percentage. Right. Um and Vegas is sort of tied um, a little, well, basically the same as Nashville. So I don't really worry about the Jets going on the road here because they've already gone into hostile places and won. Sure. I mean, in fact, they play, and Eck, you brought this up last week, they almost play better on the road yeah. when they're away from the crowd sometimes. Well, I and, think that's true of any young team like this that's going through that's going through a run. You know, like I've seen it before when a young team's in the playoffs, they are often better on the road because because there is so much. It's it's more it's more than just the game. It's like we talked about before. It's it's all everybody calling you looking for tickets. It's all the stuff that happens when you're home. They're really guest players, and, and you know you know I know some you know some of the better players hire people to handle that. Like I talked to one player one time who said you know that people know that they've got to call this guy if they want to get tickets to the game. I'm not the guy because you know you can text like I you know I've. I've seen people, I've, I've been with players when they're getting text after text after text on game day about tickets. It's insane. And, and these are nice guys and they don't want to be jerks. These are friends of theirs. Obviously they know their texts, they're talking to them. So it's not like they're, you know, it really gets hard. And I think that that will help. Um, but I do think there are two trick pony, Peter, because I think you have to throw Mark Andre Fleury as the other trick. I, I, I was, I was going to, I was going to say that because, because Peter, the one difference between this series and Nashville is that you're not going to have Mark Andre Fleury giving away games like Pekka Rene did. Because I, I really gave I, away I, game one. He did give away game one. And he gave away night, game one, Mike. Away game he, he, like, he, but I, at home, he had no but chance on the line A goal, but yeah. Bufflins he should have had. Yes. And what was the other one? The th- the third goal was um, I'm drawing a blank. But he um, he I mean giveaway is a little okay. That's a little strong. Yeah. But he had a he had a role in that loss. In a certain way, sure. And I mean, he's been right. better at home in the playoffs, though. Like the one thing you can look at, Flurry has been really good at home in the playoffs, and he will be. And that—that's, I mean, the the fact that Flurry got, I mean, and I really do think got so lucky last night on so many. I mean, there's, in the first couple minutes of that game, they could have it could have been two nothing Winnipeg, and this would have been yep. just over quickly. Um, yeah. So you sit back, and it, you know the post and stuff like that that happens. But the fact that that didn't happen means we could be in for a long series because big, 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 it really big, big, was the case that. You get Flurry got some confidence back, um, and right now that that team is crazy confident at home, and they want to be. The, the, the Vegas is the one team that I, I do think is better at home in the playoffs than they've been on the road. If, and you know, if for no other reason than they're just a bunch of guys who really just they like playing in that building. They realize the distraction of that building for other players when they're in town. They realize the whole thing of it. It, it matters to them. The game, the game would have been dramatically different if Andrew Kopp had scored that short side goal uh, late, yeah. late in the first. If that would have gone, if that would have not rung off the pole, pole and gone in, yeah. then I think then that the the complexion of the game would have turned around because you know once it got up to nothing and then the second period there was like a level of frustration with the Jets that I that I picked up on is like you know we just can't you know we can't get a great scoring chance or we can't beat this guy and then you know finally they get that goal in the third but it, it was I think the the level was was increasing as as, as that game, game should have been seven five like it shouldn't have been three to one like when you look at the, look at the final score of the game of three one you're like oh you know if you just if you didn't see the game you just watched it three one you're like wow they played a low scoring game they did not play a low scoring game <laughs> both those teams they played no. They play that should have been like, and these these teams won't play low scoring games. Like I have a feeling that you're gonna we're gonna see we're still gonna see some five five four games and, in this series. And to my mind, that plays in that plays into Winnipeg's hands because I think they're much deeper offensively. Russ, you're 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 muted still. Um, uh, 
the, the only other thing before we move on to something else, uh, Morrissey looked like he got hurt blocking a shot. Yeah. Uh, in the second period, it, I mean, is this something that we think is? I mean, is he playing hurt, or is this something where it just it was just the shot itself, and he'll be fine? I mean, have you heard anything, Peter? Uh, no, I haven't heard anything. I believe it's um, he'll he'll be fine. He came back in. I mean, it was a stinger. You know, yeah. I he thought he played well, though, Peter. Like so, shot a shot aside, yeah. he had a lousy game anyhow. I didn't think he was that bad. He was a minus two. We played twenty minutes. I thought he was pretty askew. I did, but I mean. You know, he and Buffalo were their two worst defensemen yesterday in that game. Yeah, I guess so. I don't. I. I (laughs) I mean, they were. I mean, I. I get that Buffalo's been good most of the series, but I'm just saying for this game, I felt like they were the two worst. Peter's too nice of a guy to disagree. I don't. I I (laughs) will. I just. I don't think think Buffalo was particularly good. Enstrom was actually the guy I thought had the roughest game, and Enstrom's been solid. But I mean, if you look at shot share, shot differentials, Morrissey was even. It's just maybe he didn't. Maybe the quality of shots he was on the ice for that happened weren't the best. But I mean, and Buffalo just Buffalo playing so well that when he wasn't playing that way, I think you notice it. But it was Enstrom who really struggled a bit, and he's been really fantastic at getting the puck and getting out of the zone. Um, yeah. That's his bread and butter, and it's one of the things that people say, "Oh, he's too small, he's too this." But he's so good at good. controlling the puck. And well, that was weird. Um, um, and moving it forward, forward, and he didn't. And he didn't. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, echo world, echo world. Sorry, sorry. The echo is back. It's not me, is it? No, I don't think no, so. No, I don't think so. That's okay. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Peter, mute yourself. I'm gonna mute everybody. Mute everybody. Try to get out of here for a second. Then we can unmute yourself after you're being muted. Um, we'll see if this works out. Okay, let's try this again. So, um, I I think I think it's on. Unf- I think it's a little unfair to go after Bufflin um in this game. I do think that what they did was, you know, there was a history with Drew Doughty in the LA series, and they knew that they had to go after Doughty right away, and that history didn't exist with Bufflin. And then they they obviously figured out pretty quickly that they were gonna they were gonna Drew Doughty him. You know, like what they did with Doughty, they completely, um, you know, they messed up Doughty in that series. You know, they really did, and. uh I think that, that that's what I and I think, that, and I think that they're trying to do here, right? They're trying to make that same thing happen here. Anthony, re, uh, sign off and come back in because I think the echo is you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, um, is the echo. But I, that's why that's what I thought. I mean, and Bufflin didn't have the greatest game for sure, but um, I mean, where you are, Peter, you're really low down like that. You definitely get a good you get a good view of seeing how players are coming out of the zone like that. That's yeah. that's Peter. I, th- I think I think I saw you on TV. Were you wearing white? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> it had a blue crest on it. Yeah. Um, oh, give us well, give us, that, you, give, give us that bit of news that you said before the show oh, that right. So, yeah, in, in Winnipeg, and and so uh, Jim Toth of uh, TSN twelve ninety Winnipeg tweeted out today, and I'll, I'll read the tweet here just so it's you know fairness to Jim. It's he's breaking the news. Um, it says where is it here. It says, sources tell me NHL Jets' uh, Jacob Trubis informed his agent he wants to remain a Jet and sign long-term. Agent Kurt Overhart has declined to comment, won't play out until the summer, and does not mean a deal will get done, but I've been told the desire and wish is to stay in Winnipeg. So The only thing that that is not mentioned there is how much. Yeah. Well, he's not going to ask for a low amount, that's for sure. And and that's the thing. It's like you're – 
a defenseman like Truba is going to be probably in the five and a half to six million dollar range, and you know that basically is the money that Enstrom is making right now. Yeah, you've got Myers with another year left after this year. You've got Bufflin signed for what another five years, something something like that. No, no, so no. Buff only has. Um, well, that's right. It was a shorter three more deal. years. Three more years. So I mean, yeah. you're unless you can get Enstrom to come back on a really cheap deal because if they want to, you know, there, there's going to have to be some moving of the pieces around here to get to get that deal done. Well, that's just yeah. the reality of a cup run. I mean, when you think about sure. it, when you're going to run like this, it's going to happen to every team. M. This is why we talk about players saying, you know, that when they get traded, they say, oh, you know, they'll come back to their other team because I'm wondering about Stastny. You know, like I've, I always thought Stastny was going to go up back to St. Louis. I really did. I thought that he would go there for a bit. That he, the, the, deal, the way the deal went down, it felt to me like they said to him, we'll sign you in the summer or, you know, and I know there's been different vacations, but the way it went down, it felt like that to me. But now, you know, you go you go to a place like that and, and you have success and you're on this run like that. It, that that's that's something players want us to be a part of. I mean, it's like you go on a cup run. It's not surprising that Truba would come out now and say it, you know, that that's something that he would be like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm loving this. I, I feel like I've got a great young team that's going to have a chance to win every year. And, you know, yeah. it, there is some belief that Stassi wants to stay. Um, it's, it's sort of been, we're starting to, some things are starting to float out in the community. Winnipeg's a small place. Mm-hmm. Players live sort of in certain areas. And there's some word that Stasny may want to put yeah. some roots down. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think that it would be great. I mean, obviously he's loving it. Um, the, the pressure he was under in St. Louis was always, it was, you know, his time in St. Louis was always really well, tough. You know, he had a really well, tough the time. Pr- there. The, pr- the pressure it was there in St. Louis was because he was making seven and a half million dollars. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was being paid like a number one center and maybe he's not a number one center anymore. I mean, he's, he's a, like a good number two. But he gives them so much. It was such a great trade because he brings sure, so much yeah. to them. I mean, he brings yeah. he brings them, you know, that older, you know, smarter player that they didn't have who can still put in points. You know, he's just he's the perfect. He's like the he's like the he is the Butch Goring of the Winnipeg Jets. You know, like I was yeah. talking to somebody about that. You know, not since Butch Goring can I really remember a trade deadline forward that meant as much to a team or that worked so well that just fit in. Perfectly. And, and Butch Goring being a Manitoba boy too. There you go. So I mean, that's like you know, way yeah, back. Where you got and, that helmet from? Yeah. For years there, now, there are, there are a lot of people who have Goring helmets out here. Collectors, oh, yeah, that's, I kid you not. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, that was such like that was such that that's the trade to sort of define the trade deadline. I felt like in a lot of ways, the Butch Goring trade for years and years and years. We're going to go out and get us. We're going to go and get ourselves a real something that's going to take us over the top. And really, we haven't seen that happen very often, you know, at all. Um, but Stastny is is that, you know, that that's what it's amazing. It, you're watching it happen right in front of us. Can 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 we can we shift here to the some of the stuff that's coming out of Nashville because it's it's sort of interesting. I mean, the UFA stuff like you know Hartnell not coming back and Emelin not coming back. That's not really big news. Hartnell may retire, and Emelin is a very limited defenseman who I'm. They only brought in because Ellis was hurt. Ellis is a year away from a UFA. He wants a new deal. He wants to stay there. But, I, you know, there, again, there's there's in a situation where they're having to manage the cap as well. And there have been – and I don't know if I believe it, but there have been some rumors out there about them potentially looking around to see if they can trade PK. And the only way I, the only way I think that's true is if they value Yossi, who's up – I think up after next year, and Ellis – more than they do Subban and Subban eats up 9 million on the cap and they figure they can move him now with his value at its highest. Cause he got nominated for the Norris, but that would, 
yeah, my, just around the table what everybody thinks of that. Um, personally, I don't think there's any way that they move PK out. Um, and I think that, and I think that they will. One thing you have to remember that they'll they they get players. Um, Puyol gets players to sign for less very very often. He's very good at it. Um, and one of the reasons he's good at it is because the cost of living in Nashville is so crazy cheap. Like that that you can you can go there and you know you you, you can take a million dollars less and the taxes and their cost of living. You're you're coming back with as, as much money as you are some other place. Plus you're playing on a team that everybody loves to play for. I but mean, he owes, he's already done that. I mean, he. I know, he but I, I, think, I don't see him not doing it again. I mean, he he doesn't. I, I just I think that you know he's going to take more, but the cap is going up, and the Predators are also a team that can spend more now because they're making all this playoff revenue every year. So that's that's another huge thing to them. If you look at the Predators' cap situation, though, it's not a problem this year. But once that tourist deal kicks in, and then they've got to make a decision on Ellis after next year and what he's going to be worth, then things are going to get a little tricky for them. And that's... Well, Torres, could like, get moved. Torres could get moved. I do think that. I yeah, really... Torres is coming up to $6 million next season. Yeah, that to mm-hmm. me is... They didn't love him either. They weren't thrilled with him. I mean, he had a, he had a, his bur- brief yeah. burst when he got there, but in the playoffs, he was really small. Yeah, I mean... You I know mean... what? In fact, one of the things about Torres is, is I don't understand... I, I can't remember if he had a no-trade clause or not. But was a condition of him going to Nashville that he had to have a contract agreed to, because that may be one of Poyle's first contract missteps. Yeah. Um, by agreeing to that before letting the guy even play for you, which is yeah. really weird. Yeah, it is really strange. And, and and he's making as much as Philip Forsberg does. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's easier to move a center, and maybe maybe that can be done. But yeah, I mean, Ellis is up after next year. Yossi is up the year after that. Yossi's making four, which yeah, Yossi's going to make between eight and ten a year. Exactly, Ak. I mean, this is the thing: the, Yossi's contract is the most cost-effective deal in the NHL next to Tavares. There is no way it's like it's like James Van Riemsdyk in Toronto. Yeah. He's where he's making four and a quarter. He's twenty-nine years old. Rene's going to come off. Point. Remember, Rene's going to come off at some point here too. Sure, right, but and what do you mean right after next Florida. season? Yeah, yeah, but you're, but a, you're gonna you're gonna need a starting you're gonna need a starter. Good luck with that. Yeah, you're gonna need a starting goaltender. I mean, yeah, you I don't mean, need a nine eight million dollars starting goaltender. No, no, but, but the, like, the Predators yeah. especially don't need the Predators would probably build. You know, I mean, they're. I'm not saying they're not gonna have issues because any team that has two long long playoff runs has issues. It's just the way it works, right? So. I mean, Anthony, do you think that UC Saros is an NHL? I mean, not he's an NHL goaltender, but do you think that he is a starting NHL? I'm not sure about a starting NHL goaltender. I think that's probably a little bit of a bridge too far. I think he's a really good backup spot starter for stretches. Yes, I do. But in terms of, I think that will be something that will become something that Nashville's going to have to consider going forward is their goaltending situation. Yeah. I do that. I agree. They don't have one in the system. Saros was it. You got Limbach, who's the third, and then there's really not much else beyond that. Oh, right. There's nothing, there's nothing that you could look at that wouldn't be four years away or more in their system right now. Where's Merrick Rizanik when you need him? <laughs> the question on Cyrus is, is he Bobrovsky or is he Neuberth, you know, essentially? Yeah. That's like, I think that's, he's you know, he's somewhere he's in, in the middle. I just, if, I just, if you're using that as a comparable, I would say closer to Neuberth, which I yeah. think I, I, which then makes things interesting. Speaking of that name getting dropped down now, yeah. going forward, uh, yeah. would that be of interest potentially if the Flyers think that Alex Line is ready for an NHL job? Backing, you know, it, yeah, 
Brian Elliott. That could be a possibility there as a short-term fix. I think he's Jonas Enroth or or Johan Hedberg. He's that small, and that's that's that, that's the thing. I can't I I can't get by the you know it's funny. It's like I can't I can get by the prejudice of the small player because there's been a lot of evidence, a lot of players out there that are playing in the NHL that are stars in the NHL because they're small and quick. But in terms of goaltending. I don't know whether I can buy it like a, a small. Goalie, I mean, it's him and Bernier, and neither yeah. had good success in the postseason. Like Saros did for a couple games, but when they really needed that big game out of him, he didn't give it to him. And that's yeah. twice he didn't do that. No, I mean you're right, and and small goalies, especially you know, depending on where you are playing and the kind of team you have. Been playing. I mean, if you have the kind of defense Nashville has, it's it's easier. Yes. Um, but you know that that doesn't necessarily mean. You know, I I wonder, you know. We need to bring about bring up bring up the Flyers, Anthony. I wonder about like I, I thought about actually Pekka Rene, and you know, I thought about okay, you know, one year left on the contract. Would the Flyers do something? No, no, no. I think yeah. yeah they, I mean, Nashville would have to hold off on hold hold some money, of course. But I wonder. I think that that's going to be a weirdly weird, really weird situation for Rene to come back to, or but take or, or or take some salary back. How about Andrew McDonald for? Uh, well, I will say this: I just looked online. The Tennessean reported that Rene will get one more chance if they think he's going to get. One more chance, I think he probably will. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got one more year, right? So, right. No, I know. <laughs> I mean, there's, there, there's his chance. Well, but no, whether or not, you know, is Laviolette really going to put him, push him aside and bring in something new when he already knows he could get so far and with this guy and just hope he gets him over the edge? They're just going to say, "Listen, Pekka, go visit a sports psychologist." But r- the rest of the team's really good. We got to go with this team again. I don't think they're going to break it up. Yeah, I think you're probably right, but I do think the Flyers are going to try to find a one-year goalie that, and I don't, I don't buy for a second. Oh, the Flyers that might. I don't buy for a second that Elliot Corey and Neuvert are going to be their starters next year. I don't buy Corey it. Corey Crawford. Yeah, yeah, Crawford or somebody like that. I think they're. I don't, I don't buy. Probably would have to eat half of that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think no, that it's eight million bucks. Oh, I know, I know, I know. It, no, that's a big. That's a big number, but you know, with all that's going on in Nashville and everything that's happened there, depending on you know if they get in the deal that they get back, you know, Neuvert or Elliott or a backup that way, you know, in Nashville where they can sit there and say, but you know, obviously, I don't, I just, I don't see the Flyers doing another year like this. But that's that's um as much okay, as okay. So here's you know. the here's the oh. f Mary kill situation, Eck. Do you trade <laughs> Andrew McDonald for Corey Crawford? <laughs> right. I mean, of course you would, but you know that's not. I don't know. Happen. I don't know if of I don't know if the Flyers. No, of course you would. In, in a heartbeat, you would. I don't know about that. No, Crawford has a lot of value still. He does. Crawford, Crawford has a lot of value throughout the NHL. Insane. Like Chicago's not eating any money. Yeah, yeah remember, remember, Corey Crawford breaks down more than an old Maserati. Now that's the, that's the problem. It's like You're talking to a team that has Neuvert and Elliott. Well, let's though, see, Anthony, what would you do? And nobody's eating salary in this, and it's salary for salary. That's it. You talk about Crawford, for, Crawford for McDonald. Yeah, I would do. I would do it. You would do it. Okay. Would, they would yeah. do it. But the only thing is, again, the, the thing you have to consider really for McDonald? how much value again. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the value that Philly does put a bit of value on right. Andrew McDonald. He had a, as, as his years have gone in Philadelphia last year was probably one of his best. Right. In, it really was in terms of his overall play and the stability that they feel like he provides a lot of their young defensemen uh, in, in the system. But 
it would be tough for me to turn around and say I wouldn't consider making that trade if Chicago came to you and and all. And, and, rem- and remember, there are a lot of vacancies on Robodaw Island right now, so Michael Neuverth could find a very comfortable spot there. You and, know, on LTIR with his money off the books. The one thing also with Philly as well is now their defensemen now are another year along. They've been through right yeah. playoff. They've been through a playoff series now yeah. again. No, that's huge. Against the against the defending champs. Uh, or former defending champs. Now. Well, what I felt like the playoffs did more than anything, um, not to get, we'll get off the fires, but not to get too fire centric. I thought the f- playoffs separated the, the defensemen. Like when you watch them play, you actually saw, like, okay, you do have, you know, you've got Provorov and Gosses, are way up here. And the other guys are good young defensemen, but they're not maybe really NHL, full NHL defensemen. You know, like that, you've got those two who are obvious. And the playoffs you saw against Pittsburgh, you just saw those two stood out so much further ahead. Than everybody else. Now that's a big test, obviously. So you know, it's it's really kind of hard to say. But I think that I wonder, like some of those guys. This is like to me, like guys like Sanheim or I, oh, I, I really like, and I think could still be really, very good. Um, I, I'm not sure that you know Sanheim, Mannheim, Robert Hag. They didn't play. Um, not um, you know Manning. Sorry, and those guys. There's a lot of them, right? And that is an issue they, they're going to have to deal with. And I don't know where those guys are. And I think that's one of the reasons that they did. And I do, I think McDonald has gotten fairly unfairly blamed in Philly for a lot of stuff that's happened. Yeah. But it still doesn't mean they wouldn't like to get out of his deal either. If they could. Oh yeah. No, there's no question about that. And, and if, you know, now I'm, you know, I'm still, I still have a bet with Russ that, you know, that, that Hart's going to be the goalie next year, no matter how you no, he's not a ch- I know you guys say there's not a chance, but I don't, I just don't know. Panel, I think that's patently absurd. Maybe not to start the season. I'm not saying in the beginning of the year, but I'm. Just- yeah, that's the key. I think as the season goes on, you want to see how he looks in the A first. Yeah. He sure. really is just dominating that league in year one. It becomes the, the you know. Then you obviously make the move up. It's upstairs. going to be hard for them not to do well, that. He's dominating. I think it's far more likely that you would see. Remember, an outline moving in than uh, yeah, Hart would be. Remember when Carey Price was drafted. He played a full year in the AHL and won a Calder Cup with Hamilton before he even came up to to the Habs, and he was and he was fourth overall, I believe, and he was twenty years old. You it's cannot eighteen, Mike. You know, I mean, that's like that was a long. The players but it doesn't change with goalies. No, it's but not it does a, change with it, it's 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 changed all over the place. I mean, I I don't know that it doesn't change with goalies. We don't know that. I mean, mm-hmm. you would think that you know, we used to say it didn't change with defensemen, and now defensemen are coming in the league crazy crazy young. You know, so it it, it really. It's still an oddity act. They don't all. No, I mean, it's definitely an oddity. But is very met, you guys have met the kid too. He is way more mature than his age, and there's no question that you know. I think that there's a. If anybody could pull it off, it would be him. Now, I'm not gonna, like I say. I don't think it should be the beginning of the year, but I think like, as time goes on, last 19 year old goalie though. It, it, it's been a very long time. Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, right. Mark Andre Fleury. That's a long time ago. And, yeah, he, and he got and he got and he got destroyed for a couple of years while Pittsburgh sucked. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a testament to him. I know Steve Mason as well as another precautionary example right. who came up a little too quick and yeah. it didn't oh, work. Yeah, yeah, it's always possible. No questions asked. Um, Look, if I, I, like I've told you this. If they had a way of getting out of McDonald's contract, if I were the Flyers, I would at least talk to John Carlson. I would. If he becomes a UFA, I would. Because at the end of the day, even with the defenseman the Flyers have, because of the injury concerns, yeah, you can't predict that they're all going to make it now. That's not a realistic thing anymore. No, yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think they will. I think they will talk to John Carlson. I do. I think they'll be one of the teams that talks to him. Now they know. didn't trade the thirtieth pick for Steve Emmerich. They could have drafted John Carlson. 
<laughs> well, there you go. We're past that, though. We're past. We're way that. past that. But I'm um, moving on to moving on to the Caps in Tampa. Are. <laughs> Let's move on to the Caps in Tampa. Um, Anthony looked happy with that when I mentioned it. I saw I saw an interview with Crosby yesterday again, and um, I mean not Crosby, Ovechkin. And has, has there ever been a a more relaxed Ovechkin than there is? Right? It's like it's insane to see him talk right now and to see just his his facial expressions are so very different than they've ever been. Um, not just in the playoffs, but anytime, like just even in the regular season. I mean, this is just. He's just loving this. He's having such a great time. He's doesn't, you know, he it's amazing to see that it's like the weight. It really is the weight. We asked what would happen to Washington, whether they would just be like, woohoo, we beat Pittsburgh. Yeah. Or would they well, be like the weight of the show the weight of the world's off their shoulders? The weight of the world is off their shoulders. It is. Well, well, yeah, I, was say, well, I did when when I knew that my my uh, high school had to graduate me and they couldn't kick me out. Yeah, I, I was gonna say <laughs> well, Watch the look on his face if they if they lose game three, and all of a sudden you'll see you'll see you'll see sphincters tightening there with with Alex Ovechkin. No, this, I don't think so. This is not this is not over. I'm telling I'm you, I'm not right. saying it's over, but they don't panic anymore. They're they are beyond that. Did you guys hear the crazy stat that the game three winners in the conference finals win the series eighty eight percent of the time? Like the craziest really? stat. Like this is the, the yeah, most. But that's when it's probably a one one series, not when no, it's no 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 all the time. Like regardless, no, I can't believe that. I don't. No, it's absolutely true. Now most series are one. I mean, you know, for the most part, they do right, win one. Again, there's okay. I'm not a math major. You are. I am not uh, a math major. Then <laughs> <laughs> your credibility shot. I am married to a PhD physicist. Okay, so you're close. I'm not you're a math major. Removed. You're one removed. But remember, the record is like 39 and two for teams that go down 2-0. So right. how could it? Hold on. How could the record be 39 and two, and then you give us this crazy game three number? Something is wrong here. No, you're you're, you're they're they're not correlated. I know what you're saying, but that doesn't work. No, the, I I heard it today on XM. You know, so go to them if you want to. But they actually mentioned this morning <laughs> I won't go to them. They're the next ones I'm going to. That the record of teams that are two and zero is not as is, is is very good. It's like 75%, but it's not as strong as the record of the team that wins game three, which is which is like 88%. It's which 39 is, and two. They flashed it on NBC. <laughs> no, no, no. No, they really? just... no. Mike saw it. <laughs> I will find out the exact <laughs> Did you see it? 39. No, this goes back even further. Like this is like way back. You can't go back pre-salary cap. You what are you going back to the original we're going back to we went back to the Toronto arenas in 1918. Ah, Bill Cook was rolling right. guys. Come on. Flyers <laughs> weren't even a team. Is that how far you're going back? Capitals uh, Tampa. Um <laughs> all right, so <laughs> so we think i mean i it, it would be hard to imagine tampa not winning tonight like it really would be like i think that you know i i picked the caps to win the series but i just it would be hard to imagine tampa not winning tonight um but it really feels like it's going to be a hard game for them to win well, I, yeah. I, I can i can imagine it if, if andre vasilevsky plays like hardy astrom which he played like in the first two games <laughs> i mean <laughs> i might keep going through the list you gotta you got about Four, you're about 15, 16 pages into the alternate goalie list here. Keep going. You had Hardy Astro in your drinking game. Take a drink right now. Jim, okay. Jim McKenzie. Me and Michelle Cross. Mike's Robbie, got a whole list of bad Leafs goalies. Trust Robbie me. Moore. Come on, throw him out there. Let's go. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like uh, it, that goal with, what, two seconds left to go in the second period was a complete dagger in game in game two. Tampa Bay played well up to that point. We know, you know, 
Washington tied it. They took the lead late in the second. You, you felt the air started to go out of the building. And then they give up the goal with a second left. The game is over with. It's done. And he's done that two games in a I row. I watched, so, I, watched, I watched game two again, and I'll tell you, I figured out what's wrong with Tampa. Their forwards are horrible defensively. Like, that is the thing. They have great. They have a great defense. But their forwards are terrible defensively. Like, they don't have a – who is the checking line on Tampa? They don't have one. And so you're going up against Ovechkin and, and, and Kucherov without a checking line? I mean, think about that. That's that's what's happening here. And it, it, you're right that Vasilevsky's getting killed, but these are high percentage shots too. I mean, most of them. I mean, they're, these are two on two on ones and three on ones. And who's checking them? You know, what I mean, who's checking these guys? It's just well, crazy. And there's nobody. I mean, their best defense forward is probably Callahan. It is Callahan. Like, there's no question. I I think if they had their druthers, or at least if I were coaching the team, I don't know if they would think this. When they were able to use Adam Ernie, I don't know what his injury situation is, but when they were able to use him, he did give them that extra size and toughness besides him still being a threat to score. It's almost like they need to do that. They need to take one of those Smurfs out of there. They have too many of them. <laughs> and this is the problem. They played in a horrible division, and they didn't need a checking forward. Right. And that's, what I, that, that's my theory. That's like, true. No, you're right about that. They're running into this situation now, you know, and, and this is this. So now they're realizing that, you know, when you play against teams like this in the playoffs, you can't get away with not having a checking. You, you have to have a checking line. No teams won the Stanley Cup. I mean, teams won the Stanley Cup with a subpar goalie, but no teams won the Stanley Cup with a guy like Callahan at his age being their best defensive forward. Well, Cooper made a, a comment today, and it, it's, it's humorous, but it's also true. It says, you can't give up the, you can't give these chances up. It's two-on-one after two-on-one. It's not John Cooper on the two-on-one. It's Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. So it's like you can't keep you can't keep giving up two-on-ones to talented forwards and expect to stay in the game. Now, you know, to Wash to Tampa or to Washington's defense, it's not just been Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. It's been Devontae Smith Pelly and guys like that. And those guys are scoring. So that's why I co- I come back to Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky was the best goaltender in the NHL up to about the three-quarter mark of the season. And then he said, I'm beat. Now, you know what? John Cooper, just like Mike Babcock with Frederick Anderson, has some blame on this because you can't play a goalie 65, 66 games a year. Mm-hmm. You have to play your backup more. <clears throat> and maybe he's reaping what he sowed late in, late in the playoffs. It's possible. I will say the most underrated part about the Caps right now is their defense. I really do think it's been solidified for two rounds now, and everybody still looks at it like it stinks, and it doesn't. That's been a problem for Tampa, but I think the other problem for Tampa is Braden Holpe. Yeah. And regardless of what you think, how he played last game, the first game, it was a big problem. And last series, it was a big problem for Pittsburgh. If right. Holpe stops them early, if Tampa comes out with, you know, guns blazing and right. can't put a goal on the board in the first two, three minutes and they, and Holpe's making big saves in their own building. That will probably get the caps over the home, you know, the home ice jinx. And too. then if Washington comes in and comes back and scores a goal, then you know, bye bye, it's over. I mean, it could be. It could be. I, I look at it this way, and, and I'll point to what X stated with regards to Game Threes. That this is a critical, critical time for the Tampa Bay Lightning, where if they get down again, this could turn from a series that I thought was going to belong to Tampa into a potential sweep. Yeah, that's the kind of con- crisis we're talking about—a real crisis of confidence for the Lightning to get lit up like that uh, through two games, and if they get run over by Washington at home, it might be lights. It might be literally lights out for them. The biggest story here, though, and it's starting to crop up on texts for me and online, is 
the fact that Barry Trotz doesn't have a contract, it really it's this amazing. It's a rallying cry maybe for this for this team right now. That may yeah. be the way you have to look at it. This is a rallying potentially for, for it Washington. Could be. It really could be. And it's a big story in the sense that he's not making it a big deal. Like he has said, look, I'm not, you know, defined by wins and losses. So good for him. And you're right, Anthony, the team may be may be doing that, but it's a big story because is it possible? Like I'm just gonna give this scenario. If the Caps win the Stanley Cup, is it possible that this is like similar to Mike Keenan, although Barry Trotz wouldn't be faxing anything in, that all of a sudden they're changing coaches when a, when he wins the Stanley Cup? I just can't see it. I mean, I wonder how much of this is on Trotz, though. I mean, like I think that at some point here, you think he'd want to leave after winning a Stanley Cup? He's gonna be an he's gonna be Babcockian in his, yeah. in his like you know in his and when he can demand. I mean, like, he brought the team I to think, the point. I think Leonsis would pay it. That's the thing. You would think that, but at the same time, you know, if you're also if you've also been through that with the Caps and Trotz has been through that team falling apart before, and he knows that he knows those players and he knows they're on a roll right now. But is it is it likely that the Capitals are going to go on this roll again? Um, you know, this that's the one thing, and he's been through the that and team. Just- Sonoff coming, I think he would do it, and I think Leonsis mm-hmm. would dig into that old AOL money, and I think he would pay him because. What I saw in the locker room was a coach and, a, and, a, and an owner, at least for that moment, that were extremely happy and, and simpatico. I didn't see anything where you could say, you know what, there's a little standoffness, even though there was a win. I don't get the feeling there's any negative vibes. I think this is something contrived from the Capitals GM and not from the owner. I was going to say, do you think there's a, there's a chance that the you know the the Rangers have an open coaching position that they're ready to like throw I things think they up? Jump on trots if Reardon's not there, but I think they're looking and for Reardon. But would they would would they take Barry Trotz? Yeah, they would. Absolutely, yeah. they would. What about Craig Leopold in Minnesota? I mean, we sit there and we say, okay, they they gave Boudreaux they gave Boudreaux a quote unquote vote of confidence, but it wasn't it was it wasn't a total vote of confidence. It was basically oh, him I don't saying, think they can no, I mean. This is the guy that you know that that he hired and that you know he had so much success with in Nashville, you know Leopold. So I mean, Trotz is like I think I could see, but players like Boudreaux, like that's a tough thing to go into the locker room and tell those players, you know what, he's out now. When they when they went into the summer thinking he he was their coach next year, that that would affect the locker room, I believe. I don't well, know. I mean, they got knocked out of the play. I mean, they know the GM's gone. So with the GM being gone, I think that everyone, the coaches, basically what he said is the coach. GM is gone. Let's be real. Well, about well there's there's nothing stopping them now from hiring Fenton because Nashville's out of the playoffs. So no. I'm I, I think I heard yesterday that they were going to have second interviews with Fenton and I think Tom Fitzgerald was the other yeah. name that yeah. was mentioned. So. Remember, we revisited that Brent Burns trade. It's not pretty. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> it's not a pretty trade. Yeah. No, I mean, so getting into some hockey rumors for a second. Yes. Yeah. While we're here. Um. So yesterday I put out the rumor that um, you know has gotten me slayed around the internet, but I knew that would happen. I'm used to it. It's okay. Um, so the fact that I had heard Montreal has considered was considering trying to put together an offer for Jonathan Taves, and you know this comes from a very good source in Montreal and a league source because this kind of when when a player like Taves gets moved around, believe it or not, it ends up echoing through the league a lot. Like the NHL will the NHL will hear about it because they they do care about where superstars go and how it looks and all that stuff, and they. You know, the owner, will, the owner, because if, if they're going for Taves, it's, that's an owner decision in Montreal to sit there and say, OK, right. let's go for Taves. Um, today, on the on the heels of that, 
I'm told that Eric Carlson in Chicago could be a big thing. So the fascinating thing there is, okay, so we sit, we sat there and said, okay, they're going to have to find, they're going to have to clear out space, you know, or they're going to maybe bring back price or some contract money in the Taves deal. Perhaps they're not. Perhaps they're thinking that they're going to go out and get Carlson. Um, yeah, but the, but the problem there is that if you look at the prospect base of the Montreal Canadiens, other than Noah Juleson and Ryan Paling. There's not a ton there. I mean, they yeah, they traded Sergachev in the Drouin deal. If they wanted to trade future first-round picks, that's sort of – I mean, that would be – if they wanted to trade the third pick overall, okay. I mean, I think that would have to be – in college. I would think that would have to be part of the deal. Like, I would think right. that the third pick overall would be part of it. And then I think you would look for – you would look for maybe a Galchenyuk or a Pacioretty would be part of it. Um, right, and then, and then you end up getting maybe like a Brady Kachuk with the third overall pick and you're – you know, Chicago, I, I, Chicago has member they Chicago is they're in the mode where they want they do want to acquire draft picks. I've been told that, which is totally weird for Chicago because they never want to acquire draft picks. They need to reload. Like, they do, yeah. they, and they realize it. They realize they have to reload, and they realize they've taken this about as far as they can. See, I I am of the opinion, and I, I'm not I'm not totally you know sloughing this off as an as an impossibility. I think that you know moving one of those big two is, you know, while they still have val a lot of value. I think that that's it's wholly possible, but I also think that before they move Taves, I think they're going to explore every option to see if anybody will take Seabrook or Duncan Keith, because especially Keith. especially Keith, because his the cap number is manageable, and if somebody takes Shea Weber's deal that lasts until what twenty twenty five, they're not going to be worried about the cap recapture situation with Duncan Keith. There are teams out there that need defense badly, and even though what Duncan Keith scored, what, no goals, one goal, something like that during the regular season, still is a very good defenseman. So I, I would think that there was a potential possibility that they move one of those guys before they move Taves. I, I think that it's possible, but then I do think Montreal would, would make sense, actually, for Montreal to go after Duncan Keith because of like we talked about oh, what, you know. I don't think they're moving Duncan Keith. I, I don't really think they are either, but what we've talked about what McDonald brings to the Flyers. I mean, what does Duncan Keith bring to Montreal? I mean, the young defense there is just, you know, they could use that for sure. And see, um, if they move Seabrook, they'd have to probably eat at least $2 million because he's making close to seven. <laughs> They've so, never been afraid to do that in, in Chicago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so that that's just something I – Carlson, you know, his name still comes up. I still, on my rumor chart, I still have him at 30% going to Ottawa. still the favorite. I still do believe at the end of the day that I still have him in Ottawa's favorite. I know I'm, I'm a lot of people don't. No, I, I mean, I, if that's what you're being told. Just, oh, they, remember, the rumor chart's not really what I'm being told. The rumor chart's more of like yeah. um, more of my instincts based on all the people I talk to. So right. I just still feel like that, you know, I'm really not being told that because not many people are saying that, that Eric Carlson's going to end up in Ottawa. Um, yeah. Because they're all like, you know, the basic, the common sense of it all. They, they see the relationship. They see what's happened. They see Carlson's actions at the end of the year. They see all these different things. But I just, I just can't help. I think that, you know, Carlson is a very forgiving type guy who really does, whose wife loves it. I just think there's certain things that are, lead, that are pulling him there. And, and I also think he is not good enough to get what he wants to get on the open market. And this is kind of a little bit, this, yeah, is, the, this is the understudy of this whole thing. He's not good enough to get what he really thinks he should get, but he'll, he'll get a pretty think- good offer. I think Montreal's got the wrong coach for Eric Carlson. I don't think that's a good fit. No, I'm not saying Carlson no, in Montreal. I agree no, no, no. Well, the, I'm the, saying Carlson in Ottawa. The, um, the, 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 one, the one thing right, – But if he doesn't go to Ottawa, I'm sure Montreal would be interested in him. Or, be or, in Toronto, Ottawa, or Toronto. Or Toronto. I think Toronto – I mean, the teams I have on, on the list are Chicago, St. Louis, Toronto, and Montreal, and Vegas, well, right? Right. So, like, in, in Vegas, I have is a 10%, and it's not – I, I 
I really don't think the further Vegas goes, the less I think they're involved in Carlson because the one the one thing the one thing about this situation, and we've mentioned it before, is the fact that you know we're relying on on Eric Carlson's forgiving nature and his love of Ottawa, and I don't dispute either of that. But the factor here is, does Eugene Melnick want to pay him money? And I say no. Because based on every deal that Eugene Melnick has made over the last three or four years has a monetary connotation to it, every single one. So if he's got if he's got a situation where you know he's going to offer Carlson below value, but one year before he's an unrestricted free agent, and Carlson obviously is going to say, "Get the hell out of here," then then it's, you've got to you've got to trade him. It is really dangerous for them to let Eric Carlson go in Ottawa. I mean, it is real. I predict that they will make that contract offer public like a yes. week before the draft. Oh, they will. They'll make it public. And, and Carlson probably you – know, that doesn't mean it's and, the final thing, do by the way. No, you know, make, but I think that's going to set the groundwork where – And that will make Eric Carlson the – not the enemy, but it'll make it, – it'll say, okay, you had no other choice than to trade him because he wouldn't accept the offer. He was going right. to go someplace That is how it's going to play out. If it They're going to try to play it out like that, but the Ottawa fans aren't going to buy that. They're not – they weren't born yesterday. I mean, they the Ottawa fans understand. Alfredson. What do you mean they didn't buy that? Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Daniel Alfredson was the enemy until he came back. <laughs> yeah, but that was – that was turn little... anyone into the enemy. You can – when it because oh, he loves us. He's won Norris trophies here. He's been the oh, – oh, he won't take a contract? Screw you, okay, Eric Carlson. But remember, Alfredson happened – when Alfred, Alfredson happened sort of surprisingly, right? This has been building – it did, remember? Alfredson, no one really knew he was going to go there. No one knew he was going to go to Detroit. That happened like – that happened pretty quickly. This has been developing for a very long time. This is like this is not like something that you can. This is not a sneaky thing that suddenly you're going to pull. This is everybody knows all the sides of this Carlson story in Ottawa, and everybody in Ottawa talks about it. It's like a town like Winnipeg, Peter, which is like a small town. Sure. Everybody, everybody in Ottawa knows the whole Carlson story. They know the They're whole. Not going to let it linger. That's my point. They are either going mm. to have him sign on the dotted line, or they will trade him at the draft. That's my feeling. Peter, what are yeah. your thoughts? I I I I think it's going exactly what Russ said, and I think right now, if you're a GM um, like a Stan Bowman or anyone who's got one of these big contracts that you want to move as a defenseman, the last thing you need is the Senators floating things around with Eric Carlson and making a mess of stuff um, for everyone else because you know it, it's gonna it's gonna skew things. But I just can't see Melnick backing up the truck right now. Un, getting the Brinks guards out and hauling up money bags for him, given the state of the senators. Right. I, it just doesn't make but, sense. But to given me. the state of the senators without Carlson, though, I mean, think about that. I mean, that's the that's Dude, at some point. Plenty of guys. That's really they, 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 This is one of yeah. the few franchises that could recover from it. Yeah. Here's the thing. Thomas Shabbat. They need, they right they need to reset. Job. Last year was a mirage. They caught lightning in a bottle and they took it all the way to conference finals. Right. This is the thing we talk about in all sports, all the team sports, is when that happens, how do GMs manage it? And do they trust that they're close, or do they recognize they aren't? The Senators weren't. They were yeah. not close. And yeah. now they have to reset. And the best way to reset is to get rid of Eric Carlson and get the bank, the Brinks truck of draft picks and assets back for him. And it's not going to be just Carlson. It's going to yeah. be either one of Stone or Hoffman will get moved. And mm-hmm. they're going to trade Cody CC too because CC took a bridge deal. And now he's looking for over four, closer to $5 million. You know, that's and, – and, you know, probably Marion Gabrick is going to retire or they're going to buy him out. They're right. in full saving dollars mode. Yeah. That's what they are. 
Yeah, and they've got a lot of guys coming. I mean, Shabbat could walk into his job. And Colin then, White, Logan Brown. Logan Brown. And and Shane Bowers may only be a year off now, too. And Drake Batherson's probably only two years off. I'm going to end with this question. I'm going to end with this question because I want to ask everybody this question because I think it's an interesting one. Um, and we have, a, we have a good, diverse panel here. Who would you, you're a GM in the NHL and you're going to sign a defenseman. Mm-hmm. What Carlson are you signing? Eric or John? Well, you have to trade. I mean, this summer you have to trade for Eric. Right. But yeah. say you can you pull okay. that off. You know, you're, you're going to. Either one. Who do, you, who, who do you, yeah, who do you think? We'll start well, with Russ. Go ahead, Russ. I'm going to take John because John will at least get me 50 points and play decent defense. Whereas Carlson in six years, I wonder, I worry, and I'm going to have to sign him to seven if he, if he comes for the one year and I'm re-signing him. So I'm going to go John. If we're, if we're talking this summer, it's John all the way for, for one simple reason. You have to trade two or three or four assets to get Eric and then sign him for eight to nine to $10 million. Whereas Carlson, you don't have to give up nothing. You just have to sign him. And Carlson's younger, and he doesn't have the question marks in terms of injuries that Eric Carlson does. You still have to worry about the ankle and the and the. And well, the going to be better. I mean, if you want, if you're going to be better. Eric I mean, Carlson's yeah. the better of the two defensemen, and he's yeah. a right and he's a right yeah. hand shot. But there's a lot of question marks with Eric Carlson. That is probably the reasons why uh, Eugene Melnick is hesitant to give him big money, and that's you know that's the reason they're going to. Tra- I think they're going to trade him, but you don't have to give up anything for John Carlson. You just have to sign him and spend money. I also think there's a little bit of a shading here too, with 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 Capitals getting deep into the postseason here, and Carlson, had, John Carlson, having a big reason why he becomes even more and more attractive, despite the amount of yeah. money that he's going to cost you going yeah. forward. Now yeah. you've got a guy who's gone deep into the postseason, a big reason why the Caps are where they are right now, and that's that's a huge thing. Now, now again, Carl, Eric Carlson was able to get to obviously get the Senators as far as he could certainly take them last year, right. but. In my mind, I would pr- be more likely to to be willing to back things up to get uh, John Carlson a little more than Eric Carlson, especially when you have to consider the trade that has to be involved. The, the trade's a factor for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you think, Peter? Oh man, this is a tough one. I think I go for Eric Carlson. Um, I th- he has an X factor that so few players ever have, and you yeah. ever come across. And that's what you, I mean, that's what sells tickets. That's what draws your interest in. And he's the kind of guy that could absolutely change the course of your defense, put in the right situation. I don't know if John Carlson's that guy. He's good. Right. There's nothing wrong with him, but I don't know if he's, if I'm going to, if I'm going to bank up, back up, back up the Brinks truck, I want to do it for Eric Carlson, not John Carlson. You know, now the interesting thing about this is that John Carlson has always ha- hasn't shown any signs of resigning in Washington. Through so, like we talked about, we yeah. just talked about that. Truba says now he might want to stay in Winnipeg. You know, that's cool. Yeah. But, um, we're not have done nothing. It's almost as if Carlson told him at some point, "I'm just not coming back." Like it, it's it, what it feels like, and that you know we don't know this, but that's what it really feels like because because it's so strange how there hasn't been any talk. Even I mean, I was looking for articles, even you know, written by the beat writers in these playoffs, you know, and everything just says when they bring it up at all, it's John Carlson's future still uncertain. Like that's all you'll get. You know, they have no idea which way or the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people there yeah. when I went to the outdoor game and the feeling then again, they're not, they weren't as successful then as they are now was they're going to talk about it at the end of the year. 
And when they talk about it at the end of the year, they're talking about like $9 million to a year yeah. to sign them. And now I don't think they can do it. No, I think he might have priced himself out completely. And yeah. I also, but also the thing with Eric Carlson, which is interesting, is you would, I talked to, I was, at the trade deadline where I was talking to everybody about Eric Carlson, every team imaginable, because um, his name came up everywhere. And the, the one common thing that kept coming up with Eric Carlson was that he wants the puck too much. And you would hear this all the time. Like he's right. going to, he requires, he's going to carry the puck up the ice all the time. And we've got forwards who like to carry the puck up the ice. We've got other players who want to carry the puck up the ice. And what Eric Carlson does in Ottawa, which because he, he doesn't have, he can, and there's nobody else really to carry the puck up the ice. That's what he does. And that's what he's used to doing. And that, that does have some teams nervous about, about throwing their, their whole, you know, their whole thing out of whack. Sure. But uh, you know, you know, can get past that. Like a team like Vegas could get past that because they don't have a defenseman like it currently. And if right. they have to throw a Brandstrom in the deal and they said, okay, you know what, we're willing to do that because we're sort of like an in-between now team and, and a building team, they could, they could swing that. It wouldn't be a problem for and them. That's why they almost Remember? did. You know, and, they, and that's why they, they could yeah. also bring They could also get Bobby Ryan in Vegas because, you know, Remember. it doesn't hurt them either there. So Remember what started this all off when in, I think it was in December when Carlson said, I'm not taking a hometown discount to stay in Ottawa because yeah. he recognizes the fact that the senators are not going to spend money to win a Stanley cup based on their financial situation right now. I interpret that as he would take less money to go to a team that had the financial resources to stock up and to build up. And that's why like teams like New York or Philadelphia or Toronto or Chicago, those make sense to him because they have shown the willingness to spend money to win. And Ottawa clearly is not interested in spending what it takes to win. My feeling, though, is, Mike, I will say, at least from Philadelphia's perspective, I'm not 100%. I mean, I, well, I'll go with Eck in terms of fact, I think they'll talk to him. Yeah. I don't think they're the team that ends up with him. I can tell you that. that the thing I, that's most I, interesting about, you're probably right, Anthony, but the thing that's most interesting about Philly is they probably have the best trade package to put together for Ottawa. Like, right, as far as the kind the of players Ottawa's looking for, yeah. they, they have, like, the you, can, you can put Sandheim in a deal, and no one else has it. No one else on this list, like New York or Toronto, has a yeah. Sandheim that they could put into that trade. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I mean, New, New York, uh, New York could offer Brady shade. Toronto could yeah. offer Lilligren. There are, there are defensemen who are comparable. You can't offer Brady Shea up. I mean, he's their best defenseman. Yeah. I don't think they would offer Brady Shea up actually, to be honest. And that's why I don't think, but again, I'm not sure Ottawa's looking for a defenseman either. Their defense really still is pretty good. I think it, it all depends. I still don't think the Rangers have enough to offer anyhow. So I don't think, They'll be able to trade for him yeah. as a free agent. They might look at him, but and the Flyers also have some prospects up front, you know that that are that are coming too. So that there's the prospect pool for the Flyers is is solid enough to make a deal. And but I and, it, and I and I, and I don't yeah. think I don't think Melnick and Pierre Dorian have the guts to trade him to Toronto for one simple reason: if he goes to Toronto and he's successful, and they 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 will be they will be pariahs in that city for a generation. Because it'd be like Babe Ruth getting traded to the to the Yankees. You want him somewhere far, far away. Bingo. And that's and you want him like in Vancouver or Vegas. It would be a West Coast team. They're not trading him in the East. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's true, and that used to be true for sure. And but it's really changed lately. We've seen a lot of players, and then the and the better the players too. Because remember, they're also thinking what they're going to take from Toronto. They're thinking we're going to take a lot from Toronto in this deal too. So that also plays into it. You know, like. Whatever they're getting out of the lease, they're getting Nylander, say, or, or some they're getting something specific. I mean, that's also a tough trade for the lease to make the other way. So it becomes almost like a wash, you know, between those two teams. If if the best player is available, 
I, I just I just think that the cost for a team in their own division like Montreal or Toronto will be exponentially higher than it will be for Vegas or yes. Arizona or some of they'll make them pay but, through the nose and yeah. and Kyle Dubis and Mark Bergen will tell will tell Pierre Dorian to go stuff it. Let's also remember something too with Carlson and and remind I could be wrong on this, but Ottawa has to give up a first round pick this year and next year. Right. And they're keeping it this deal. year. They're keeping it. And, they're keeping it this year. Yeah. So they trade Carlson. They're likely to be a heck of a lot worse. Well, and you know, th- there's some other things to measure in this too. So they've got to acquire something back because they know they're like, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in this, not just finding a team that could take him, but what you get back in this to replace right. what they're going to lose in that draft pick in the, in yep. that draft next year, which they really can't afford to lose if they're going to trade Carlson. Uh, Ottawa Senators fans, I have two words for you that you, that Leaf fans are fairly well aware of: Tom Curvers, because that's <laughs> that's the potent that's the potential scenario that Ottawa faces with their having they're, they're going to definitely have to give up their pick next year in in, in in because of that deal for Duchesne. And as the Leafs did in the early '90s, they traded for Tom Curvers with the Devils, and they had to, they basically had to trade half their team to avoid finishing in last place to give up Eric Lindros, and they ended up giving up to New Jersey Hall of Famer Scott Niedermeyer. So. Have a nice year, Ottawa Senators. Worry about next year, next year. Like that's you can't act that way. No, it's it, it, you're right. I mean, I, I I get it though. I mean, I do get it. It is it is. I scary. Get it, but you can when you trade those like this year, you'll give a pick this year, a pick up pick next year. Things they're always. I don't know why people do them because they, they really do set them up for failure. Like no matter how you slice it. No, like here's the thing. Here's the thing. So so next year, right? Unless it's the first overall pick. I don't think they sweat it, but if they take the pick this year, that pick has already had a year of development rather than worried about what they're going to do next year. So that player is further along than the guy that they're worried about sweating that they're going to lose in the draft. That's is there the another, though? Is, I mean, Rush, you know better than anyone. Is there another McDavid coming? Is there something like that along? Well, Jack Hughes is, is going to be in that next level where he's probably under Matthews and he's probably equal to Eichel and maybe better than Eichel, but he's okay. not McDavid. Okay, so yeah, so that's and that's two years away, right? So that's, no, no, that, right. Well, that's next year. That's twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Right, right, exactly. Well, it's always fun, guys. Um, thanks so much, Anthony, for jumping on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Eric. Thanks. Always, always great to have you. Um, where can people find Anthony? Where can where can you find you? <laughs> um, at at my Twitter handle at Anthony Mangione on okay. Twitter. Any place that sells uh, rights Philly as well in the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> right there, you go. Center ice, Philly. Yep, at school. That's where you can find them. Usually, at mo- most days, but we have primaries in Pennsylvania, so that's why I'm here today. Hi. Yeah, I know. I'm about to vote myself. Get go Republicans. <laughs> no comment. Mike, we'll send. We're going to send I your send your pink slip now. Uh, enjoy it. Um, nice. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow, except for Mike. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.